and I'm the officiant today. While we're waiting to get started, please feel free to uh, say hello in the chat. If you want everybody to see your greeting, of course, make sure that the chat is set on everyone. I will hold off reading the chat greetings that come in uh, for a few minutes, so uh, hopefully a bunch of them will have accumulated by then. Meanwhile, I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday season in December and uh, enjoyed the new year. And if you want to have a candle to light during our candle lighting uh, ritual a little while later, uh, this would be a good time to get that, as well as a uh, drink or favorite stuffed animal or anything else you want to have with you uh, for our time together this morning. Speaking of drink, a little water helps. Not quite 10.30 yet. We will start momentarily. Glad to have you with us. And that includes the folks who are watching later at uh, the recording, as well as those who are here with us on Zoom right now. We will be starting in just a moment. It's good to have you with us on this first Sunday in January, beginning of a new year. So let me begin our time together officially. Again, welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. Again, my name's Perry Biter. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm the officiant today. Here at the Washington Ethical Society, we value the inherent worth of every person. And as an expression of our values, we are practicing caution and returning to a fully online format for our platform this morning. We enjoyed our experimental time with hybrid platform in November and December and look forward to having some attendees return to the main hall as soon as it is safe enough to do so. If you're joining us here on Zoom, please say hello in the chat. Again, having your chat set on everyone will enable all of us who are here this morning to see your greetings. Uh, you're welcome to say hello, whether you are a brand new visitor, a longtime member, a neighbor from another ethical society or Unitarian Universalist congregation, or a person who's not in any of those categories. The chat will stay open through much of the platform service, closing for the address itself and then reopening. On Zoom, there's also a closed captioning option that you can turn on or off. 
visitors, in addition to saying hello in the chat, if you're watching on Zoom, we hope that you'll also send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, at maceot at ethicalsociety.org, and maybe even fill out the connection form that you can find at tiny.cc slash westconnects. Visitors watching this recording later, those invitations to contact Maceo and fill out the connection form are for you as well. I'll now read a few of the greetings that folks have written into the chat. Uh, again, while I'm doing that, you might want to get a candle to light during our candle lighting in a few moments. So who do we have with us here? Trang is here. Welcome, Trang. She's serving as the Zoom usher today. Robin, Denise says Happy New Year. Jeff Mehal, good morning. Wes and Happy New Year. Or Happy New Year, as he says. Um, Shirley Storms, good morning. Glad to have you with us. Judy Hanrahan, hello, Judy. Donna Taylor, good morning. Maceo, Brian and Leanne, glad to have you with us. Good morning, Judy and Randy. Maybe Randy, okay. Maybe Randy. Hello, maybe Randy. Um, Vincent Tyler and Laura Tyler are here. Good morning. Shayla, good morning. Sonia Coopers, good morning. Christine Parcelli, good morning. Well, uh, and there's Adam Goldberg. Good morning. Glad to have you with us, Adam. Glad to have you all with us. Excuse me. It is great to connect and to share this time together. Uh, once you're ready, I invite you to settle in wherever you are, whenever you are, as we continue to gather. Opening words this morning are by Deborah Burrell. Fire consumes and casts a bright light. May our candle flame consume our regrets for the past, our fears about the future, and our worries about today. May it light for us a path of joy and peace. We begin our platform with music from the UUs of the Palouse in Moscow, Idaho.
Welcome once again. Each week we read our statement of purpose as a reminder of our shared values. If you are interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc slash readSOP. You can record a video of yourself reading the statement of purpose if that works better for you, or you can present it alongside us as we broadcast live. If you're relatively new to the community or haven't been as active lately, it's an easy way to introduce or reintroduce yourself. On days when there no other member signs up, uh, officiants like myself are happy to do the honors, as I will do today. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. If you have a candle at home, I invite you to light it now as I share our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Today's platform is about a new year, the new year, and the opportunity for change that comes through letting go, setting intentions, and trying new things. Today's story has something to say about that. Thanks, Perry. Hello, I'm Lynn Cox. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm the interim leader here at the Washington Ethical Society. This is a story from Frog and Toad Together by Arnold Lobel. As I've shared before, Frog and Toad are great friends and they learn a lot together about how to respond when the world is surprising or confusing. As far as I know, real frogs and toads do not wear clothes or bake, yet stories about these characters resonate with our own lives. So I don't know if a story happened exactly this way, but I believe it's true. Toad baked some cookies. These cookies smell very good, said Toad. He ate one, and they taste even better, he said. Toad ran to Frog's house. Frog, Frog, cried Toad, taste these cookies that I've made. Frog ate one of the cookies. These are the best cookies I have ever eaten, said Frog. Frog and Toad ate many cookies, one after another. You know, Toad, said Frog with his mouth full, I think we should stop eating. We will soon be sick. You are right, said Toad. Let us eat one last cookie, and then we will stop. Frog and Toad ate one last cookie. There were many cookies left in the bowl. Frog, said Toad, let us eat one very last cookie, and then we will stop. 
Frog and Toad ate one very last cookie. We must stop eating, cried Toad as he ate another. Yes, said Frog, reaching for a cookie. We need willpower. What is willpower? asked Toad. Willpower is trying hard to do something differently than the way you have done it before, said Frog. You mean like trying not to eat all of these cookies, asked Toad? Right, said Frog. Frog put the cookies in a box. There, he said, now we will not eat any more cookies. But we can open the box, said Toad. That is true, said Frog. Frog tied some string around the box. There, he said, now we will not eat any more cookies. But we can cut the string and open the box, said Toad. That is true, said Frog. Frog got the ladder. He put the box up on a high shelf. There, said Frog, now we will not eat any more cookies. But we can climb the ladder and take the box down from the shelf and cut the string and open the box, said Toad. That is true, said Frog. He climbed, Frog climbed the ladder and took the box down from the shelf. He cut the string and opened the box. Frog took the box outside. He shouted in a loud voice, hey birds, here are some cookies. Dozens of birds came from everywhere. Each bird took a cookie in its beak and chirped happily. The birds hopped and sang and ate all of the cookies. Now we have no more cookies to eat, said Toad. Yes, said Frog, but we have lots and lots of willpower. Toad said, you may keep all of it. I'm going home now to bake a cake. The end. In the story, Frog and Toad knew that if they ate all of the cookies all by themselves, they would get sick. Sharing with birds meant that they had new friends come over and it meant that Toad got the idea to bake a cake. On the other hand, I bet it was really hard to share those cookies. Letting go of things can be hard, even when those things aren't helping us. And inviting new friends over or for new ideas, new ideas and new friends can be hard, even when it means more cake. As we consider what we're letting go of in the new year and what we're inviting into our lives, let's enter into the centering time of our platform. Thank you, Lynn. It's a good thing I wasn't spotlit or the, um, or unmuted because I was laughing my head off and uh, during the story and I second the motion. Those were great slides that you prepared for it. Thank you so much. Okay. Each week we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today I am particularly mindful of the thousand or so families that lost their homes to wildfires in Colorado this week. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us open our hearts to compassion for those who suffer.
and let us commit ourselves to the work that calls for our love. I invite you to take a breath that's nourishing for your body. Tend to the feeling of your in-breath, your pause, your out-breath. Open your mind and heart and body to imagination and serenity. If it helps you find your center, you may want to adjust your posture or close your eyes or soften your gaze. Let us breathe into this moment as we hear these words by Kate Walker. In between, liminal, that space where we wait. Between moments, events, results, action, no action. To stand on the threshold waiting for something to end and something new to arrive, a pause in the rumble of time. Awareness claims us alert, a shadow of something different in between invitation and acceptance, in between symptom and diagnosis, in between send and receipt of inquiry and question, in between love given and love received. Liminality, a letting go, entering into confusion, ambiguity and disorientation, a ritual begun, pause, look back at what once was, look forward into what becomes. Identity sheds a layer, reaches into something uncomfortable to wear, in between lighting of the match and the kindling of oil, in between choosing of text and the reading of words, in between voices and notes carried through the air into ears to hear. In between, creation thrusts ever forward. Social hierarchies may disassemble and structures may fall. Communities may revolt or tempt trust. Tradition may falter or creativity crashes forward. Leaders may step down or take charge. The people may choose or refuse. In between, storm predicted, the horizon beacons. In between theology of process reminds us to step back. In between where minutia and galaxies intermingle with microbes and mysteries. In between liminal, that space where we wait, look, listen, feel, breathe. Look, listen, feel, breathe. We continue our meditation in silence and in the music that follows.
The earth, the air, the fire, the water, return, 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 return. The earth, the air, the fire, the water, return, 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 return. for a muse of fire that would ascend the brightest heaven of invention. A kingdom for a stage, princes to act and monarchs to behold the swelling scene. These words from the prologue of Shakespeare's Henry V often come to mind when I wish for more flashiness in our community life. A large part of what we do together in community is to make meaning by telling stories. And just like the map can never be completely matching of the territory, the story will always somehow miss the mark of describing exactly what happened, even if we believe it to be true. It would be nice if we could have fireworks, if our platforms about nature could be experienced in the great outdoors while remaining completely accessible, if I could get real frogs and toads to speak to you about their friendship. It would be nice if none of us ever made mistakes in pronunciation, if our technology worked as intended 100% of the time, if the entire Sunday operation could simply happen without anyone having to think about it. But that's not the world that Shakespeare lived in and it's not the world that we live in. There is a gap between what is and what we imagine. 
And that gap can lead us to disappointment or resentment, or it can lead us to cooperation and creativity. The chorus in Henry V names some of the positive potential in this gap. Later in the speech, we hear, peace out our imperfections with your thoughts. In other words, the listener is part of the co-creation of the story and imperfection is part of the deal. The imperfection is part of what makes that space for the listener to be a co-creator of the story. There are no passive roles in storytelling or meaning making. Speakers, players, musicians, teachers, all kinds of presenters do the best that they and we can. And yet our communities, stories and ethics and living traditions can only come alive with group participation. I want to acknowledge that the fire metaphor is powerful and part of why it's powerful is because fire is dangerous. I'm sure Shakespeare knew that when Henry V first opened and he certainly knew that after the Globe Theater burned down in 1613. Fire was a real and present danger in Elizabethan England, even as it was a necessary part of everyday life. And for us today, if you're joining us from Colorado or have loved ones there or anywhere that has been increasingly imperiled by wildfires in recent years, maybe fire is not a metaphor or a muse of fire is not a metaphor that you can be enthusiastic about today. That's okay. None of the traditional elemental forces, earth, water, fire, air, are free from danger. Air in the form of high winds contributed to the Colorado disasters. Waters arising all over the globe. Earth damaged by mining and fracking is not as stable as it used to be. So it's understandable if we wanna interrogate those metaphors and decide what meaning they have now. I hope we can receive that sensitivity to elemental imagery as a call for balance and responsibility. Rather than censoring and silencing all poetry and literature that draws on elemental metaphors, let's treat the earth, the water, the fire, and the air with respect. By recognizing the danger and opportunity of elemental metaphors, we cultivate awareness of the consequences of our actions. Let us celebrate creativity and collaboration and also channel those practices toward the common good. Pardon gentles all. There will always be a gap between what is and what we can imagine. There will always be a divide between the effortless fluent perfection of what we wish and the beautiful imperfection of humans in community. That space in between holds possibilities but also the danger of cynicism or even hopelessness. We invoke the muse of fire, not to obscure that in-between space, but to illuminate it in ever-changing flickers of imagination. We can be warmed by that flame as we gather around in a practice of collective meaning-making. The in-between space separating what is from what we imagine is especially relevant at the new year. For many people, this is a time of setting intentions, of outlining the ways we want to grow or heal or learn in the coming months. Not everybody. For some, this is a time to take stock and to grieve what was lost and to clear a space in the unknown for what might yet arrive. For some, every day is simply another day to breathe with no special power at the hinges of the calendar. 
Yet perhaps every day can be a chance to co-create the beloved community. Whether as a greeting for a day like any other, or as part of a process of setting intentions for the year, we might be asking ourselves what we are ready to let go of, what goals we will set, what practices we will cultivate at this turning point. In this liminal space, how will we co-create a path for being more fully the people we aspire to be? How will we make the in-between place a shaft of light that promotes growth and thriving, an interplay that connects us rather than a chasm that divides us? It is all too easy for the in-between place to become a barrier. The world as it is provides many opportunities for disappointment, grief, and pain. The gap between the worst of what we observe and the best of what we can imagine might be overwhelming. We have talked before and we will talk again about doing the next right thing. Each small action we take toward collective liberation makes room for more. Among our community with people who have such big hearts and complex ideas, sometimes we find ourselves divided by a common language, each keenly feeling our place in that moment, in the vacillating journey between being frozen in fear and being moved to intense action. Sometimes we find ourselves divided with loyalties to different solutions or different ways of framing the question. Looking out over the gap between what is and what could be, sometimes we haven't even waved our hand over the empty space before we find ourselves in conflict. The muse of fire might help us here by moving the conversation to another level. Perhaps by using metaphor and play, we might approach our challenges from a different direction. In recognizing that we each have a role in telling the story or making meaning from tradition, Perhaps we can make room for others to describe their own experiences. Allowing for the flicker of creativity might help us to take ourselves less seriously, to lower the barriers of pridefulness that prevent us from appreciating each other's gifts. Basically, we need to give ourselves permission to be silly sometimes, to pretend, to brainstorm without caveats and interruptions. I'm not an expert on improvisational theater, yet I have definitely seen a working group transformed by an exercise like tossing an imaginary ball around a circle. The group learns to focus their attention, to honor each person in turn, to respond to spontaneity, and to release themselves from perfection for a moment. In setting intentions for the next leap across the space of in-between, some of us may benefit from letting go of ego or over-seriousness or the drive to force everything to make rational sense in every moment. Creativity and playfulness can be practices that help us bring out the best in others and thereby in ourselves. One of my favorite parts of the Muse of Fire prologue is the invitation to the listener. The chorus asks the listener to join them in painting the scenery with their imagination to allow a few actors to represent thousands, to travel through time and space with the narrative. Tis your thoughts that now must deck our kings, says the chorus. The listener helps to fill out the grandness of the story and the character and the setting. 
storytelling is always cooperative, as is meaning making, as is community building. Forgetting this collaborative imperative is another potential obstacle in the space between what is and what we imagine. If we believe ourselves to be powerless, it is much more difficult to find meaning and purpose in the experience before us. To be clear, there are some things we are powerless about and some ways that we voluntarily restrain our exercise of power for the common good. It is not polite to physically jump into the action at a sporting event or artistic production when you are not expected. Our lives are full of incidents that we can't control. And yet sometimes we can choose how to frame those events or how to respond. Now, trauma can make our sense of agency much harder to access. So I'm not saying that it is simple or even possible for every person in every circumstance to change their attitude or their approach. When we are able to access our sense of agency though, our sense of being able to reframe or make meaning differently. The challenges we face together can become a group improvisation, a jazz performance in motion, an adventure story that adapts to our times. Forgetting or ignoring the agency we do have can lead us to view the in-between space with resentment instead of creativity. I have definitely seen this in community building. When we work together to understand our roles and to pursue our mission as a team, there are all kinds of things we can imagine in that space. But if we don't feel empowered to be part of that process, all that's left is disappointment that we are stuck with what is. And again, sometimes we are stuck with rotten stuff, at least for the moment. And it's part of the work of community to support each other in coping with that. When a person doesn't see themselves as part of a solution that is unfolding, their feeling of separation can manifest as the person tearing others down, offering only critique to the exclusion of appreciation, and leaping to judge before, the understanding, before understanding the effort that is going into the work in progress. Sometimes the invitation to collaborate wasn't made clearly enough. Sometimes the person needs encouragement to bring forth their gifts. And sometimes the person is more used to giving instructions than being in the middle of a messy improvisational collaboration. And any one of us is vulnerable to this pitfall. When we are feeling personally drained, and this pandemic has led to a lot of people feeling that way, the temptation to criticize first and ask questions later is close at hand. The Muse of Fire reminds us that making meaning is a collective process. Building community is a collective process. Making our way through a troubled time in history is a collective process. People have for centuries gathered around council fires, campfires, festival fires, and candlelit tables to share depth and wonder and hope. We can let our Zoom screens be some of those fires that we gather around offer appreciation, ask open questions, share the visions that the flickering flames bring to your imagination, and listen with love as others share theirs. In setting our intentions, it may be that letting go of harsh judgment will lighten the load and help us to rise together across this in-between space. 
being curious might generate more solutions or at least a sense of connection. We may find that cultivating awareness of our agency and cooperating with others and channeling that agency will help us find more possibilities in the unknown. Moving toward a better version of ourselves, of our community, of our world, requires imagination, playfulness, curiosity, a willingness to get a little bit messy might help us take action toward our positive intentions. We need each other. Let us draw each other out with mutual encouragement, listening, appreciation, and creativity. May it be so. After some music, we'll have some community sharing time when you can write into the chat about what resonated with you today. In addition to sharing your personal experiences and perspectives, I would like some of your answers to two questions that we'll address in the fire ceremony later. What are you letting go of in the new year? And what are you resolving to do? We'll, we'll address both of those questions in the ceremony. What are you letting go of in the new year? What are you resolving to do? Whether you are releasing something into the cauldron of creation or illuminating something with the fire of commitment, what intentions are you setting in this moment? As we contemplate rest and reflect, let us experience the beauty of the musical response. Fire of commitment sets our mind. And 
lovely hearing that song again. This is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates in our own lives. I invite you to share in the Zoom chat if you're joining us live or in the comments if you're watching on the recording later. In addition to your personal experiences and perspectives, you can focus on the questions that Lynn posed. What are you letting go of in the new year? What are you resolving to do? Today's answers to those questions will be incorporated into the fire ceremony later. So let's see what's showing up in the chat. May take a moment, <clears throat> may take a moment for people to come up with their responses. I personally have always found New Year's challenging. It's um, not easy necessarily to believe in one's power to change. But um, as Lynn said, it's a community, it's a collective endeavor. Maceo says, I plan to spend more time in silence to reconnect to being more creative. Thank you, Maceo. This might be a good time to mention something coming up tomorrow night. The um, meditation, the mindfulness group will be meeting. That's an opportunity for people to spend some time in silence together. Laura Steele says, oh, hold on, a bunch of things coming in. Laura Steele says, I'm letting go of all old negative feelings, thoughts, ideas, and beliefs about who I am. I resolve to listen better to my heart. Shayla Bokum says, this was an amazing platform, Lynn, just awesome. To answer the question, I'm planning to give up sugar and add more walking and other exercise. Jeff Mihal says, what to let go of, what to resolve. For me, it's a combination of the two. I will work on letting go of unresolved anger and self-loathing. I am too well aware of the gap between what I can imagine and what I can do. Patty Absher says, I resolve to be more aware of the creative in-between space, an opportunity to interact more fully with others. Art Sieben says, less quality TV, more actual books, not newspaper reading. Judy Ohm, I like the reminder that storytelling is a mutual activity. I say that teaching is always a two-way street when done well. Yes? Yep. Ed Elder says, sorting through things in the basement, looking over collected things from the past and deciding what to let go. Cynthia Goodman, I need to let go of my desire for perfection and wanting to control how things turn out, which includes how other people behave.
give another moment for other messages to come in on the chat. All right, well, that may be it for now. <clears throat> um, you're still welcome to add your thoughts as we continue. Just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. This month, half of the offering is dedicated to the Leaders Caring Fund. Interim leader Lynn Cox is back to tell us more about that. Thank you, Perry. The Leaders Caring Fund is a grant making fund set aside for people within the West community who are experiencing a crisis. Members can apply for grants from this fund up to one per family per year, with the upper limit of the grant amount depending on the total amount in the fund, usually no more than 10% of the total. Grants are paid to creditors. Grantees do not receive the money directly. Grants from the Leaders Caring Fund have been used for medical bills, keeping the heat on, helping a family stay housed, and similar emergencies. IRS regulations prevent West from using staff time and congregational resources to raise money for specific members, but we can create a benevolent fund that is available for members in general through a confidential process. Typically, the Leaders Caring Fund is the Share the Plate recipient for December, but this year the Share the Plate team agreed to reschedule for January so that we could feature the Refugee Resettlement Fund in a timely way last month. We've seen throughout this pandemic that some of us are doing okay and some of us are really struggling, and it's not always easy to tell at a glance who could use a little help. Your generous gift to the Leaders Caring Fund will make a concrete difference in someone's life perhaps someone close to you at West. Thank you for everything you do to help West to be a caring community. Thank you, Lynn. It is good to know that there is a way for members to help each other in times of need. On the slide, you'll see the number to give by text. <clears throat> Excuse me. 202-335-1885. And you can also make a gift online through the donate button on the West website. That's ethicalsociety.org. Thank you for your generosity. We will now receive your gifts and the gift of music from Brian Bolger.
thanks everybody for your generosity. So during community sharing, members shared some things that they wanted to let go of and some commitments they wanted to make in the new year. And so to symbolize that transformation, we have water and salt and fire and paper. So the salt is like our disappointments or the things that we're no longer needing. And the water is like the love that we have around us and within us that helps us to absorb those things. And then the paper are our commitments and the fire helps illuminate those commitments and to raise them into the atmosphere to keep them with us in that way. So I'll start by naming some of the things that folks said that they wanted to let go of as we dissolve the salt of what has been into our circle of love. We're letting go of old negative feelings about who we are. Maybe we're letting go of sugar. We're letting go of unresolved anger and self-loathing. We're letting go of old items, keeping the memories, letting go of the things that we don't need. We're letting go of an attachment to perfection in ourselves and others. And in terms of our commitments, here is a commitment to read more books. And here is a commitment to creativity. Hang on, Patty, I'll make sure that your creativity gets eliminated. There we go. Here is a commitment to do more walking. I saw that that was a one that several people wanted to join in on. Here is a commitment to continue teaching as a two-way street. Here is a commitment to find some silence and the creative potential in it. Here is a commitment to Spend more time being aware of those in-between places. So Perry, I can't read the screen right now. Were there any more um, things that folks are letting go of or we're committing to in the new year? It seems that everyone's thoughts have already been included. Very good then. So just to finish it off, we hold all of these changes together in community. We release into the past that which no longer serves our goals, our values, or our character. And with the kindling of this flame, we illuminate the path ahead, returning to our commitments. With water and fire, we invite transformation that brings us closer to our quest for a better world. May it be so. Thank you, Lynn.
and thank you so much to the many people who have helped create this morning's time together. Thank you to musicians, including Jess uh, Hudeman, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, the UUs of the Palouse, Brian Bolger, our own West Chorus and Interim Music Coordinator, Leah Morris. Thank you to membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, slide artists, John and Abby Dakin, Zoom usher, Trang Duong, and tech host, John Pfeiffer. Thanks also to Robin Kravitz for communication support and to Adam Goldberg for hosting the upcoming virtual coffee hour. At the conclusion of platform, please join us for that virtual coffee hour. Once we're in the Zoom space, we'll divide into breakout groups for small group social chatting. To get to coffee hour during, after closing words, point your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour. Thanks also to those who are leading and supporting our work in the weeks to come. You can find information about opportunities to connect in the Sunday links or news and notes emails. Here are some of the latest news. Due to rapidly rising COVID case numbers, the West Reopening Task Force has determined that attendance at platform will be online for the month of January. If it is safe enough to do so, and we have enough staff and volunteers who are not sick or in isolation, we may return to streaming platform from the main hall later this month. Seek classes, including coming of age and owl, are a separate question. I'll get to that in a moment. We appreciate everyone's care for one another, and we especially appreciate the tech team and other volunteers who are adapting to this rapidly changing situation. Now, speaking of SEEK, our Sunday Ethical Education for Kids, it's on winter break today. The reopening task force is meeting on Tuesday to determine which classes will meet online or in person next week and what mitigation strategies we might use, such as outdoor meetings. Part of the equation will involve reviewing our records to determine the percentage of participants who are vaccinated. We will also need to ensure that there are enough volunteer teachers who are healthy and able to cover classes. Currently, the third to fifth grade class is scheduled to meet during platform next week. OWL is scheduled to meet after platform and coming of age is scheduled for meetings both Saturday and Sunday. There's a lot going on and we're adapting as quickly as we can to the developing situation. So please watch your email and the SEEK Facebook page for updates. For all age groups, please be sure your family is registered and that you have filled out the RSVP form for each class session. If you aren't already receiving the SEEK newsletter, please contact Indara Miles. Now today, the philosophy group is scheduled to meet uh, by Zoom at 1 p.m. You can contact uh, Peter Bishop or Aileen Denturk for more information or check news and notes. Uh, the Science Fiction Book Club is also meeting at one o'clock today uh, to talk about the novel Ringworld by Larry Niven. Uh, usually those two don't conflict. The science fiction club meeting got moved from its usual fourth Sunday because of the holidays. So today you have to pick one or the other. Uh, you can contact Adam Briskin Limehouse for more information about the science fiction book club meeting. 
and maybe you can get uh, him and uh, Peter Bishop into a bidding war to see who gets your presence today. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the mindfulness group will be meeting tomorrow, kicking off the new year. Um, that's uh, Monday, January 3rd. They'll meet by Zoom at 7.30 p.m. Contact person for that is Trish Weil. The meeting is in, link is in news and notes. Uh, next week, January 9th, after platform, the biology reading group is scheduled to meet by Zoom and Paul Baker is the contact for that. Uh, in next week's, excuse me, in next week's platform on the 9th, together with interim leader Lynn Cox, we'll check in about how we're all doing so far with our resolutions and we'll talk about how to maintain our commitments to our shared goals and highest values. I hope you'll join us for that next week by Zoom at 10.30. Finally, thank you for being here with us today. Now let's enjoy together our closing song of the month performed by the West Chorus. You gotta put one foot in front of the other and lead with love. One foot in front of the other and lead with love. You gotta put one foot in front of the other and lead with love. One foot in front of the other and lead with love. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Oh, the other one. 
A few brief reminders before we close. As you're, if you are new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. And to reach virtual coffee hour, point your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour. Now I invite you to join in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, setting intentions to bring out the best for our hearts and for our quest for a better world. Thank you for being here for Virtual Platform. Happy New Year to everyone. We look forward to connecting with you again soon, maybe very soon at coffee hour.